Section 17 of the South American Republics, Volume 1, by Thomas Cleland Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 2, Paraguay, Chapter 6, Paraguay since 1870. No modern nation has ever come so near to complete annihilation as Paraguay during her five years' war against the Triple Alliance. Out of 250,000 able-bodied men who were living in 1864, less than 25,000 survived in 1870. No less than 225,000 Paraguayan men, the fathers and breadwinners, the farmers and laborers, had perished in battle, by disease, or exposure, or starvation. 100,000 adult women had died of hardships and hunger, and there were less than 90,000 children under 15 in the country. The surviving women outnumbered the men five to one. The practice of polygamy naturally increased, and women were forced to become the laborers and breadwinners for the community. The slaughter was greatest in proportion among the people of white blood. When Lopez was waiting in 1868 for the final attack of Brazilians, he made use of the last months of his power to arrest, torture, and murder nearly every white man left in Paraguay, including his own brother, his brother-in-law, and the generals who had served him best, and the friends who had enjoyed his most intimate confidence. Even women and foreigners did not escape the cold, deliberate bloodthirstiness of this demon. He had his own sister beaten with clubs and exposed her naked in the forest, had the wife of the brave general, who was forced to surrender at Umaita, speared and subjected to members of the American legation to the most sickening tortures. The minister himself barely escaped with his life. When the Brazilians captured Asuncion in 1868, they installed a provisional triumvirate of Paraguayans, but the country was really under their military government until after the death of Lopez. A new constitution was proclaimed on the 25th of November 1870, but it was not until a year later that the provisional government was superseded by Salvator Jovellanos, the first president. The new president had no elements with which to establish a government, neither money nor men. The country Paraguayans refused to recognize his authority, and he was shut up in Asuncion. There were three so-called revolutions in 1872, which were suppressed by the Brazilian troops. The country really remained under a Brazilian protectorate for the first few years after the war, and the government was largely a convenience to make treaties and to try to place loans abroad. Toward the end of 1874, Jovellanos was succeeded by Hill, and by 1876 the country was finally enjoying peace and freedom from foreign control. The integrity of Paraguay and her continuance as an independent power had been mutually guaranteed by Brazil and Argentina when they began the war against Lopez, and neither of them could afford to let the other take possession of her territory. So Paraguay was left substantially intact, although she was compelled to give up the territorial claims the Lopezes had so long made against Brazil and the Argentine. The latter even submitted to arbitration her right to a portion of the Chacon north of the Pilocomayo. President Hayes was the arbitrator, and he decided in favor of Paraguay in 1878. In the Treaty of Peace, Paraguay had agreed to bear the war expenses of all allies, and these immense sums are still nominally due from her. As a matter of fact, she has not been able to pay anything thereon, and the matter of forgiving the debts is one frequently discussed in Brazil. 
Population rapidly increased after peace was thoroughly established, and has more than doubled in the last thirty years. In the late eighties the influence of the Buenos Aires boom extended to Paraguay, and the government offered great inducements to attract immigration. The movement was not very successful, but it had the indirect effect of transferring great tracts of land from government to private ownership. Previously two-thirds of the land belonged to the state. One of the colonies was composed of socialists from Australia, who promptly split on their arrival over the question of total abstinence. Those who insisted on being allowed to drink were obliged to leave. Subsequently, disagreements about doctrine and the application of the principles of socialism drove out others. The soil of Paraguay is marvelously fertile, but its isolation and the want of markets for the national products make it unattractive to European immigration. Happily, Paraguay has not suffered from civil disorders during the slow process of national regeneration which has been going on since 1870. Most of the presidents have served out their full four years term, and the one or two changes which have occurred have not been accompanied by any bloodshed or interruption in administration. The chief difficulties of the government have been financial. Revenue is small, and paper currency has been issued until it is at a discount of several hundred percent compared with its nominal value in gold. But since foreign commerce is inconsiderable, and the population lives off the products of its own farms, the results of inflation have not been so disastrous as they might have been in a commercial country. The wave of twentieth-century progress and immigration may strike this Arcadian region at any moment, but up to the present time the body of the Paraguayans live much as their ancestors. Existence can be maintained with hardly any effort. The people can always get oranges in default of more nourishing food. The climate is lovely, the forests surrounding the peasant's cabin beautiful. Why should a Paraguayan work when he can live happily and comfortably without labor, merely to procure things which to him are superfluities? It must be remembered that the bulk of the Paraguayan people are descended from the Indians, which were found crowded into these garden spots three centuries ago by the Spaniards and the Jesuits. They have never lost their simple, submissive, stoical character, and the rule of the three dictators did not tend to change them. The modern improvements, of which they saw most during the reign of Lopez, were muskets and cannon, and they can hardly be blamed for preferring old-fashioned ways after their experience during the war. Though the nation was almost destroyed, the surviving remnants show the same characteristics which distinguished their ancestors. The new Paraguay, however, is not ruled by any bloody-minded despot, and the military possibilities of the people will never again be a menace to the liberties of the surrounding nations. Rather is the present ruling class disposed to welcome foreign influences and immigration, and this beautiful, fertile, and easily accessible country stands open to the world. End of section 17